-hmm. If you're starting out, then you got to figure out what you're comfortable doing and you got to do a deal. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of fluffy stuff with us today. Nick Brown, how you doing, Nick? Hey, doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Honored to be on the show. Well, it's my pleasure and looking forward to our conversation. I was just fact-checking Nick's bio before we got going and... I said, portfolio consists of 171 multifamily units. And he said, actually, we're up to 575. I was like, okay, well, that's going to be helpful for our conversation. Looking forward to hearing how you went from in the hundreds to 575, but a little bit more about Nick, and then he'll get into more of his background. So he's a lawyer by trade, but currently a full-time real estate investor. He's got seven years of real estate experience. His portfolio consists of now 575 multifamily units and approximately 20,000 square feet of office space. He's based in Camden, Maine, a state that my wife very much wants to get to, but we haven't been to yet. And with that being said, Nick, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm from Mississippi originally. I went to high school there. I went to college there and shortly after joined the U.S. Coast Guard. I was thinking I was going to be in Miami, being on the water by the day, Miami nightlife by the night. And they promptly sent me to Portland, Maine, where I'd never seen that much snow in my life. But anyway, finished my tour in the Coast Guard, had met my partner while I was there, uh, and later became my wife, and ended up going to law school. And through that period, shortly after I got out of the Coast Guard, we started a gym business. And we were living in this 10 by 10 room. We didn't have a shower, didn't have a kitchen. And so we were basically living off of this two-stove burner and a little dorm room fridge. And then every night after we got off work, we'd go down to the town landing and pay four quarters for seven minutes of hot water. And we did that pretty much every day for a year while we built the business. And through that, I hated paying rent. And I knew I wanted to vertically integrate. I knew I wanted to buy a piece of real estate, move my business into a building that I owned. So I started talking to one of my clients at the gym who was into real estate and had been super successful and just started popping questions off of him, sort of trying to figure out how to move forward with it. And I'd found this building where it was abandoned, completely abandoned. There were squatters living in there. I broke into it a couple of times to check it out and ended up talking to the bank. And since I talked to my mentor, I was like, hey, how do I get this building? And he said, well, go to the registry of deeds and figure out who owns it and figure out who has the mortgage. So I did that. I found the owner, found that Key Bank was the mortgagee on the building. And ended up finding the guy, his name was Peter Simpson. I contacted KeyBank. I said, hey, I noticed this property's in foreclosure. Can you tell me a little bit about what's going on with it? They said, well, we're trying to take it to foreclosure, but the judge won't allow us to move forward because we hadn't been able to properly serve him, hadn't been able to find him. So I was like, okay. So I just got on Facebook, found the guy, typed his name in, and sure enough, he popped right up. He had moved to the British Virgin Islands. It was a boat mechanic down there. And I just shot him a Facebook message and said, hey, I'm looking to buy your building in Rockport, Maine. Would you be interested in working on a deal if I can figure out the bank side? And he said, yep, absolutely. Whatever you want to do is fine as long as you get that off my back. I said, all right. So I went back to the bank. I talked to my mentor a little bit and I just made them a super low ball offer, one that made my stomach hurt so much that it actually took me two phone calls to make the offer. But they ended up taking it 
And that was our first deal in 2013. We basically bought the note, exchanged a deed in lieu of foreclosure for forgiveness of debt. We had titled the property. So we bought that with every single dime we had saved, scrapping by living in a 10 by 10 room while we were running the gym. And convinced the local lender to give us a loan for $250,000 to build a new facility and renovate the duplex that was on the property. So the first deal in 2013, seven years ago, or eight years ago now, was a head first dive into the deep end of real estate. Mm -hmm. Bravo on the resourcefulness. Let's talk some specifics. The lowball offer, what was it? $60,000. Okay. And And, what were you buying? Describe the actual infrastructure of the building. You described the building, but tell us more about the building, please. Yeah. So it's one acre right on Route 1 in Rockport, great location pretty central area. And it had a 4,000 square foot commercial building on it and also had a fourplex on the building. The fourplex was really small and the commercial space was pretty dilapidated. So essentially we were buying it for what we were going to convert the fourplex into a duplex and then rip down the old building and build a new one. Mm -hmm. That's an ambitious plan starting out. Yeah. Looking back, I realized that I was 25 at the time, had no idea what I was getting into. We luckily had some great friends. My dad, he's an engineer. He sort of helped me do some stuff. And I was pretty comfortable around construction. I framed houses in high school. I was comfortable around power tools. I knew how to do a lot of the trades. So I was pretty comfortable and just cocky enough to think (laughs) that I could take that on. But we ran out of money about 75% of the way through it and limped by for the next year. Then eventually got it done. And at the end of the day, we were all in for around $330,000. The next year, it appraised for around four sixty-five. So we were able to do a cash-out refi, get all our cash out, and roll that into the next deal. The two phone calls it took you to make the offer, will you elaborate more? Yeah, it's pretty funny. I called the bank, Key Bank, and I said, hey, who do I talk to about buying the note? And they put me in contact with their asset recovery manager. And I called her and I was ready to make the offer. I was ready. It wasn't the same guy that you were talking to before? No, it was my mentor that was sort of walking me through how to do all this. Oh, uh, okay. So I got in touch with the asset recovery manager at Key Bank and I had it in my gut. I was going to say, all right, $60,000 was going to be my offer. And I said, hey, listen, would you guys be interested in selling the note? And I really wasn't expecting her to say yes. I don't know why, but I wasn't expecting her to say yes. And, and she said, she said, yep, what's your offer? And I was like, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Let me call you right back. <laughs> I, totally, I totally chickened out. So then I got off the phone. I like called my breath and I was like, all right, just call back and just make the offer. And I called back. I said, we're in the $60,000 range. <laughs> she said, okay, let me talk to our people and I'll get back in touch with you. She sent me an email saying they had accepted the offer. <laughs> just like that. Just like that. How long did it take for her to send you the email? It was very soon after, maybe the next day or two. Next day or two. Okay. So you were waiting with bated breath. Oh, and, man. And I thought they were going to come back at 120 or 150. Mm-hmm. We were ready to go up to 80 or 90 grand on it. Did you know what the current note was? How much it was for? It was like $244,000. And you knew that going into it before you made the mm-hmm. offer? Okay. Yep. Wow. Uh, we pulled the court docs and got a copy of the complaint. Okay. Smart. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first, some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. As your portfolio grows, you need financial management services you can rely on to help you save money and continue making the right choices for your company's future. 
realestateaccounting.co's top-tier CFO team uses their deep industry and operating experience to guide real estate syndicators, investors, and family offices through every pivotal moment and crucial decision. Their fractional CFO services include budget-to-actual, cash flow and distributions, and reporting and valuation. Go to realestateaccounting.co forward slash CFO to find out why REA is one of the fastest growing real estate accounting companies around. The real estate experts provide timely analysis and consultations to help you make the most informed decisions possible. See and trust where your portfolio is headed with the customized financial reports based on the KPIs that matter to you and your business. Try it risk-free today at realestateaccounting.co forward slash CFO. If you're not sure where to start investing or need help taking the next step, mentorship and coaching is one of the best ways to get going. Think Multifamily is a leading apartment acquisition and education company who provides true one-on-one coaching to help you invest for your family's future. Their servant leadership approach will guide you to successfully scale your real estate business or assist you to diversify your investments in multifamily. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how they help working professionals just like you transform their future through partnering and community. In fact, the majority of real estate investors who partner with Think Multifamily get involved in a general partnership within six months. Thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching highlights the partnerships, joint ventures, and resources all available through the coaching program. Go to thinkmultifamily.com forward slash coaching to learn how to become a member and get involved. You had a mentor before you bought a property. How'd you line that up and why did you line that up? Both questions, please. Well, mentor sort of a strong description at that point. He was more of a friend. And I noticed that he was driving M5, BMW, and he was coming in at 10 o'clock in the morning. I was like, all right, what does this guy do for work? So I started talking to him and he's like, he was coming in at 10 o'clock in the morning to, oh, your gym. To work out. Exactly. Okay, got it. He was interested in what I was doing in the gym. Our concept was relatively new to that area. We were doing group training classes, sort of functional fitness type stuff. And he was intrigued. So we hit it off and got along great. And he was asking me about this and I was telling him I want to get into real estate and asking him how he did it. And he was telling me stories and it really started out as a friendship. Just me saying, all right, how do I do this? And he walked me through it. And then as that progressed, the friendship became more and more involved. And now we talk just about every day and I just consider him my mentor. And so Mm -hmm. the relationship back then was more of a friendship. But today I would say, yeah, he's a mentor. We talk just about every day and it's just developed over time. He's just a local guy. The Portland market has done a ton of deals over the last 30 years and just taught me the basics for sure. But he's one of the most creative financial minds that I know. What value have you given him besides good karma? Anything else tangible that you've given yes. him? This is always on my mind is how can I help him out? I'm, I am always trying to connect him. And one example is when I graduated law school, I was at a big firm for a little bit and was just bemoaning it and could see the writing on the wall that this was not going to be for me. So I reached out to another friend a member of the gym who was an attorney and owned 11 assisted living facilities. I took him out for a round of golf and three holes and three beers later, he offered me a job to leave the big firm, come work for him. And I did. I left, went to work for him. And he was looking to expand his assisted living facility portfolio. And my buddy, Matt, my mentor, had a building in a great location that he really didn't know what to do with. 
So I connected my now boss and my mentor together, got them in the same room. They knew each other, it's a pretty small town, but they never done any business together, but made the connection. Both my mentor and my boss were very comfortable with me. So me sort of coordinating that has led to both of them doing six deals, over $30 million worth deals in the last four years. Also, he owned a Walmart in our town and had like 20 years left on the lease, rent escalators in every year. Great deal. And that was one of the highest grossing Walmarts in Maine. So I had a 1031 guy that needed to put about $20 million to work. So I just connected Matt to the 1031 guy. He ended up selling it at a five and a half cap. So if it doesn't line up with what I'm trying to do, because what I've noticed is with mentors, especially this one, he's in a different phase of life, right? He's got four kids. He's putting his last one through college. He's almost 60 years old and he's playing a different game now. He's had a lot of success over the last 30 years. And me, I'm 34. I'm getting after it. I'm trying to do deals. I'm willing to take a little bit more risk. So him and I, I don't know that we'll ever do a deal together simply because our philosophies are not lined up right now and where we're at with life. So when I come across an opportunity that I think lines up with where he's at philosophically, I try to shoot it his way. 575 units. You've closed on a couple of transactions fairly recently. Talk to us about those transactions, please. What a roller coaster. So a lot of these deals we had under contract right as COVID kicked off. These were heavy value add deals. We had a 200 unit in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and we put that thing under contract. I want to say late March of 2020, this was a 60% occupied property. So we were going into it knowing we need a bridge loan, but all the bridge lenders around that time ripped the carpet up on everybody. Yep. You know, there was Nobody was doing deals. And I had $100,000 earnest money about to go hard. And I did not want to lose that. So four days before closing, we were supposed to close July 9th. And on July 5th, I get a letter from the lender basically saying, we're pulling out of this deal. And it has mm -hmm. nothing to do with the strength of the lender. It's simply market conditions. Pull the rug out from under us. Seller when irate had been very difficult to deal with anyway. So we basically doubled down. We knew it was a great deal. We knew we had a good team put together. We had all the money raised, but we scrambled. We found another lender. We ended up closing that deal 45 days later by the skin of our teeth. What do you mean doubled down? What'd you do? Did you double your earnest money? We doubled our earnest money. Okay. Yeah. So now you have 200 K hard, non-refundable. 200 K hard, non-refundable. Yeah. And that describes 2020, right? For us, <laughs> that one deal. But that was the worst deal, I would say. I used to wrote a blog post about when to force a deal. And I would say that the last six months, we found some really good deals. We've stress tested them. We've lowered our criteria to COVID to make it more conservative. But I think when to force a deal is when you have to force a relationship because the sellers are distressed. And the properties we're buying are usually heavy value add opportunities. So the sellers are probably having the worst day of their life. So if everything's not going smooth, it's usually a relationship thing between the buyer and the seller. And that's what the lessons I've been sort of learning in, over the last six months is you got to work with these guys. It's not going to be as smooth as it was in 2019 to work with guys. People are not as patient. They're not collecting rent. So it's just been rocky with the sellers because the properties are buying, they are stressed out mm -hmm. and they want us to close. They want to know that we can close. That sort of describes 2020 and how we got there in every how, single deal. How'd you find the 200 unit that was 60% occupied in Tulsa when you're not in Tulsa? Well, I served as a board member of a capital company out in Tulsa. So I was out there every quarter 
meeting with these guys to go over their business and see how to move forward. So I became interested in Tulsa while I was visiting out there. I thought it was really interesting market. Tesla was looking at moving a plant there. Amazon put in a distribution center. Amazon's putting distribution centers everywhere now. Mm-hmm. But there was just a lot of growth happening in Tulsa. And so I started using Reonomy and we started pulling data on all multifamilies in a certain area, 100 units or more, and just started cold calling, sending emails and sending postcards, basically mm-hmm. looking. We just refinanced. We are on a pile of cash. And if you guys have a property you want to sell, let us know. Let's talk about it. The seller in this particular deal had a broker that he had been whisper prices to pocket listing. She reached out to us. We ended up putting a deal together and put it under contract shortly thereafter. Mm-hmm. So I would say it was a pocket listing mixed with cold call. Was it the cold call or was it direct mail that originally connected you with the owner? Direct mail. If I recall correctly, we emailed the guy directly. He ended up forwarding the email to his broker and the broker reached out to us. Okay. So it was a, an email, not a mailed out piece that was sent snail mail. Right. Okay. Cool. So you got the email addresses for the owners that own property that fit your criteria. You emailed them an email that says you're just refinanced, sitting on cash. And if you have a property that you want to sell, let me know. And then the owner in this case forwarded it to the broker they were loosely working with. And that broker, she got back to you and you all were able to get the deal together. That's exactly right. Okay. What about the other deal you closed? How'd you find that other deal and how many units was it? It was a 34 unit in Columbia, South Carolina in September of 2020. That was a broker deal. It was a pocket listing for a broker that we worked with before. It was actually pretty simple with the exception of lending. We raised the money in about a day. Our offer was submitted and accepted right off the bat. It was a pretty vanilla deal once we got lending lined up. And then we did a 76 unit right outside of Charleston, South Carolina. That was about a 50% occupied building where the seller had started developing an additional 30 units on the property. So it was 46 were occupied. There were 30 vacancies that were half finished and they just wanted out. Essentially the guy, (laughs) it had just turned into a huge dispute in the family and they wanted out. We found that property because my partner was looking at it, checking on one of our other investments, took a wrong turn and drove by this complex, went home, pulled it on the registry, got the address, tracked down the owner, called him, made an offer on it, met with him the next day. Mm. When you track down the owner in that case, I know your partner did it, but when you track down the owner, is it a phone call? Is it an email? And regardless if it's phone call or email, what do you say? Yeah, it was a phone call. And basically said, hey, I drove by your building. Just want to first of all confirm that you own it. I pulled your on the registry deeds. We're investing in multifamily in this area. Have you guys thought about selling? If you have, we'd love to sit down and chat with you about it. Mm-hmm. And I had a meeting with the owner the next day. That's right. Wow. Yep. And they said, yes, actually, we have been thinking about what to do with this property. A lot of the family is a little bit distressed about how to move forward with it. Nobody wants to put any money into it. Essentially, what had happened was the patriarch of the family had started this development and died and then left it to his children. The mm-hmm. children were trying to decide on whether to carry it out or sell it. Mm-hmm. What'd you buy it for? $2.5 million. And then we have another one point five set aside for CapEx. We were all into it for $4 million. Okay. And just for context, where do you see the value going once you've implemented your business plan? Right across the street, we own an 18 unit. And we bought that in 2019 for 720000 It just appraised for 
a hundred grand a unit. So in this demographic, in this area, we think there's no reason why the 76 unit won't also appraise for hundred grand a unit. So we're looking mm-hmm. at 7.6 million. Yeah, that's better than with 1.5. That is quite the return. All in for 4 million and 7.6 is valuation after you've done your business plan. I hope that happens. So do we. How long of a time frame do you anticipate that being? We underwrote it 24 months. We've got the current team we have there carrying out the value add. We have two other deals with, and they've done a phenomenal job. Uh, we did 63 units in Goose Creek, South Carolina with the same group. And they are turning over about eight units per month. And we have a waiting list on the rentals. And so if they can move at two thirds the speed they're currently moving at on the other units, then I'm very confident we'll hit the 24 month mark. Is the number one way you get owner information through Reonomy or is it by going to the county website and looking up the owner that way? Actually, we were doing a lot of heavy lifting on deal flow in the beginning, but Recently, a lot of deals have just been coming to us through other sponsors or other folks that are looking to slice off a piece of equity by bringing the deal to us. We get a lot of deals through our Facebook group, My First Million in Multifamily, that my partner started about six months ago. We just throw it out there and say, hey, we're looking for partners, looking for deals. If anybody has any that fit this criteria, shoot us an email. And that's how we've been doing a lot of it lately. There's only 24 hours in a day, right? And we've got about five pretty heavy value add projects going right now. So we're not really looking to bring on that many more heavy value add. If we do a deal, it's going to be a stabilized core asset, mostly because we're just not looking to spread ourselves too thin with the value add stuff. Taking a step back and just thinking about your approach to real estate investing, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? The answer to that question really depends on where you're at in your journey. Mm -hmm. If you're starting out, then you got to figure out what you're comfortable doing and you got to do a deal. Me, I feel like I got lucky because I was just naive and just cocky enough to think I could pull it off. And that ended up building a confidence that I could actually do this, that I could do another deal, that I could do it and build a team. If you're sort of through that phase and you're comfortable doing deals, you're putting in offers, you're closing deals, then I would say focus on what it is you want and try to identify what is it you want and draw your day. If you could draw your perfect day, what does that look like? And then reverse engineer that process so that you can create that. Because what I found myself doing was after I got comfortable doing deals, I was just doing all the deals. If I found a deal, I was going to do it. I was not very good at saying no. So I ended up with this little bit of a hodgepodge portfolio where we had to sell some stuff. They were all pretty good deals. Mm -hmm. It just didn't make much sense. And I was spending a lot of time without, at least in my mind, appropriate return on that time. So at that phase in my career and life, I needed to really hone in on what it was I wanted. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? I am. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Do you manage your own rental properties? If you do, or if you're about to, I want to tell you about RentReady because I'm guessing they have some services that you wish you had. RentReady is a property management software that allows you to manage your business from your computer or phone. With RentReady, you're able to collect rent online and get paid, find the perfect tenant with a built-in screening and listing service, and get your leases signed with the click of a button. And tenants really love using RentReady's app too. They can pay rent using the card, ACH, cash. They can set up auto pay, get renter's insurance if you require it. And they can even build their credit score 
through RentReady's new credit reporting feature. And the best part, RentReady is unlimited. That's right. All this is flat priced. There's no tricks or hidden fees. RentReady is designed for investors who manage their own properties so that you don't have to worry about paying more for building your business. You can start managing and scaling your rental properties without scaling costs. And RentReady has given us an amazing deal to pass on to the best ever listeners. You can get RentReady's annual plan for only 54 bucks at rentready.com when you use our special code BESTEVER. That's R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I dot com with the code B-E-S-T-E-V-E-R at rentready.com to get RentReady's annual plan for only 54 bucks. Mark your calendars for the Best Ever Conference February 24th through 26th back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies, building relationships, and quite frankly, having a lot of fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. Get the lowest prices right now at besteverconference.com. That's besteverconference.com. Best ever book you've recently read? Oren Claff, Flip the Script. When I first started raising money, I believe I came in too, too strong. This book changed my perspective. Claft does a great job of bringing your mindset to your audience. Mm-hmm. And I've interviewed Oren on this podcast. I don't recall what episode it is, but if you just Google his name and my name, that interview will come up. I can't recall his book that he started, his first book. Sounds like he's written another book because I don't recognize Flip the Script. But the first book is a powerful book. It's something that completely changed my perspective on how to approach conversations and I didn't agree with all of it and I didn't follow all of it but I got a lot of lessons that I applied from his book and what I do what deal have you lost the most amount of money on I've been pretty fortunate that I have not lost any money in real estate I think it's a product of staying true to our criteria however I usually get kicked in the nuts when I go into another asset class for example, I dipped my toe into the stock market. I bought Lanthius Holdings at $16 a share. It went up to $29 a share. I thought I was a genius. And then it promptly went down to $8 a share. And I lost $10,000. Pitch Anything was the Orange Cloth book, by the way. And I stay away from the stock market too, by and large. <laughs> Unless during the pandemic, I put some money in because I saw that there was an opportunity. Oh, I hope it was GameStop like a month oh, ago. Oh, man, wouldn't that, that be sweet? No, it was <laughs> Delta. How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing? I'm on Instagram, Bosley's underscore dad, or Facebook, Nick Brown, or check out the Facebook group, My First Million in Multifamily. From the resourcefulness with your first deal to the most recent deals, there is an underlying theme of getting it done and getting things done in a way that others won't do or don't know how to do so even if they know how to do it it's just actually sending that message to the guy in the british virgin islands about his property via facebook and negotiating that with him and the bank in a type of transaction you've never done before that and then fast forward to most recent deals where your business partner just stumbled across the south carolina property and getting a good transaction completed because you all reached out to the owner and didn't sound like other people did, at least not at that point in time. Other people weren't doing it. 
and then you saw the opportunity. So it's inspiring, especially during a time when investors say it's hard to find good deals that make sense. And here we are with some case studies for how to do that and some things that you can replicate. So thanks for being on the show. Thank you for sharing those stories and those examples. I hope you have the best ever day and talk to you again soon. All right. Thank you so much for having me.